Hey there, and welcome to the Fedora Podcast. I'm Eric, the IT Guy Hendricks. I'll be your host for today. We've got an exciting episode. This is uh, episode 33. We are cooking with gas now um, because today is our uh, birthday episode. And as it so happens, it's going to be a, uh, a release episode as well. So we, we'd set out to bring forth all the, uh, all the Fedora project leads of the past, but uh, unfortunately, many of them were hiding or traveling or working or family-ing. Um, so I, I cobbled together who I could. I, I dug them up out of the refuse. <laughs> I, I see them shaking their heads in the background, so I'm going to go ahead and bring them in. All right, so joining me is the current Fedora project lead, Matthew Miller, and also uh, coming back from his, uh, uh, not his debut, his his comeback episode last uh, last <laughs> time is Mr. Neil Gampa. So Matthew, you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, I am the Fedora project leader, I, Matthew Miller. I've been involved in Fedora um, to varying degrees since, since the beginning and uh, the Red Hat Linux kind of things around that before that. Um, I've been Fedora project leader for almost 10 years now. So... Um, wait, I can't, I'm losing track. It was, it is something like that, a decade. Um, so that, that's pretty impressive. Um, Since I think. 2012, uh, I think. I started at Red Hat 2012, but Fedora Project Leader in 2014. So Okay. So well, that's right, because you did the whole weird Fedora Next thing. Yes. Yes, I did. That was, that was me. That was our big, um, one, one of my jobs as Fedora Project Leader is to try and get the community kind of going in the same direction, which is not the natural state of, you know, open source. Uh, it's exciting when, when people are kind of oriented in the same way. Not everybody has to agree on everything, but having kind of a general, here's where we're going to go, here's what we're going to focus on, kind of helps things get there. And and uh, that was that was the thing we had 10 years ago. We're working on a new one now um, for you know various reasons. It's been a little bit of slow going, but we are working on doubling the number of Fedora contributors in the next five years or so. So uh, the number of active contributors, people who are like around every week, we want to see that number go up. Um, because, uh, yeah, so that's that's what I'm up to. I'm um, sorry, I've answered more questions than you asked. Let's move on. Neil, uh, for those of you who missed uh, uh, the How Do You Fedora episode last uh, two weeks ago, uh, Neil, why don't you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Hi. Um, so I, oh gosh, this is a complicated question. Um, so uh, my name's Neil. I exist in Fedora, I guess. Like I'm... I've been around in the Fedora project since pretty much the beginning, at least as a lurker. Like um, I kind of started coming in from the Red Hat Linux world into, into Fedora. You can see over there, the wonderful Red Hat Linux box over there that represents a version of Red Hat Linux that I started with. Um, the uh, Today, let's see, the main things I think people know me for is I lead Fedora KDE. Um, I'm involved in Fedora Workstation. I'm involved in Fedora Cloud, uh, somewhat in, in Fedora Server, um, a bunch of the language stuff. I, I do a bunch of different things. And I think the most visible part is also I'm part of FESCO, the Fedora Engineering Steering Committee, uh, which helps like kind of rationalize all the things that the people are bringing up and make sure that things are okay to keep going forward on. Um, I think Neil, that's the I think, best way to describe a very awkward thing. 
think the first um, post I see from you on the Fedora Devel list is September 2007, when you ask about a Windows-based installer for Fedora Linux. Yes. Well, so that was because I was dual booting or triple booting almost every computer I had at that time. Um, yes, triple booting. There was there was some Hackintosh fun too. Uh, I, I- I, I do think it's an interesting idea. It's basically um, install from Windows, so you don't have to go through these other complicated steps. Well, right, and the context... Getting, getting, getting Fedora installed, getting Linux installed, is one of the scariest barriers for people who would otherwise be interested in trying. So For sure, right? And also, you got to remember the context of way back then in 2007 was um, we didn't have good NTFS. We, didn't, we barely had a good FAT driver. Uh, and... Uh, network yeah. connectivity, forget it, right? Like all these other things were just not there. And, you know, at that time, I think like, what was it? Uh, Ubuntu had this Wubi, uh, which was Windows Ubuntu installer. And it would essentially download the ISO into Grub for DOS, configure it so that it would boot into it. And then you would boot into Ubiquity to then complete the installation. And then it would be done and you would just it would just be a loop device that would mount up and they did th- fancy things with ntfs 3g and whatever and to me that was interesting because like it made linux much more accessible and i wanted something like that in fedora as well uh, it didn't happen for all kinds of other reasons who knows someday maybe it will but you know well, the- maybe well, maybe we won't need similar. it well you know the fedora sahi installer is actually very similar right you start from macos and you go through the steps. I mean, it's text-based rather than a GUI, but like, it goes through the same steps. It downloads a Fedora image onto it, sets it up, and then reboots you into Fedora to complete the setup. I don't have an M1 Mac, so I or M M anything Mac, so I haven't been able to try it yet. But uh, mm. as soon as Apple sends me one, I will. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a very funny day. <laughs> so. The the original intention for this uh, episode was going to be a look back at what twenty years now of Fedora history, and yep. uh, I'm I'm getting that conflated because we're actually in the middle of um, release season for Rel as well, so I'm getting version numbers and release dates and anniversaries confused. But they are uh, they're very similar because they started from a sim- from branching from the same thing. So. Right, what? and then you've got you've got Red Hat that passed thirty years. You've got Rel that passed twenty years because it used to be Red Hat Linux, which is actually Fedora was one of the uh, one of the offspring of of the Red Hat to Red Hat Linux to Rel um, moves, and uh, so it's it's a really interesting history, and I, I I think it'd be worth sharing right here on the podcast, kind of what what happened, how did how did Fedora get its start. Yeah, so I think back, I, so uh, like a lot, like like um, Rel, it was, um, it was Red Hat Linux back in the day was just was done inside the company, uh, developed by by Red Hat. Red Hat engineers made all the decisions, and they they made this thing, and then they would they had um, they would release a beta, but um, and there's there was maybe even like a secret alpha, and then a beta, um, and then. Uh, 
only then did you get to see this thing that was developed. That was basically how Red Hat Linux was. It was all open source, um, although actually some versions of it did have like a proprietary web browser and some things in it. But most, most it was op- open source in general. Um, but it was all you know, developed you know, kind of in secret inside the company and with not really very much community input. If you wanted to make a change to something, it was there was no there was no way to do that. Um, so uh, when Red Hat decided that they wanted to make money as a company instead of um, losing money. Like I've heard a rumor, and this is long before I joined the company, but I've heard a rumor that they were making more money selling T-shirts than they were selling box sets of Red Hat Linux, uh, which is not a great business um, indicator for a software company. So <laughs> they decided to go after the enterprise with this Red Hat Enterprise Linux product and uh, decided that uh, having made that business decision, it turned out that the engineering thing of, wait, we're going to do open source, it, there was there was a big mismatch. So uh, after much turmoil, Fedora project was created. There were uh, a number of different projects, um, uh, community-led projects that were basically adding other software modifications, add-ons on top of uh, Red Hat Linux. One of those was called Fedora.us, a person named Warren Tagomi in University of Hawaii, I think, uh, started um, started that. Um, and uh, I'm I'm not sure of the of the details, but Red Hat decided, okay, we're gonna we're gonna merge these together. Neil, if you've got any more gossip on this, uh, let's hear it. But um, they decided that um, this uh, new thing that we're, they almost called Red Hat Linux project, but then didn't, and this would be merged together to be the Fedora project. Um, that would be uh, kind of the successor, fast-moving, open-source, community-driven uh, part um, that would you know, complement the uh, expensive enterprise long-term rel. Um, and yeah, I think I think this is a really interesting thing because. Um, for a while, that those releases didn't really that process didn't really change. So um, there, if you look back, and many people still remember like Fedora Core and Fedora Extras. So in that merger, the community part of it basically became you know, uh, Fedora Extras. The community is an extra, and then Core was corporate developed inside. You know, and when I say corporate developed, it certainly wasn't people in suits. These were um, you know Linux nerds and hippies and um, idealists like all the rest of us but engineers in working for the company uh in, you know in secret processes and so on um and after a while that split just started to become painful and it was frustrating that, that people couldn't get very much as much done as they wanted um and um like a lot of the tooling that they were using inside the company wasn't all that great and so eventually uh they uh, decided to merge, and so some of the early Fedora project leaders, I, I know um, project leaders early, all the early project leaders wanted this, but it was hard going. So eventually, uh, Max Spivak and Greg Deconisberg kind of got this got this done, and so Fedora Linux, or Fedora you know, Linux Seven was the first one that merged together Core and Extras into one thing, um, but. At, I think really uh, eight was the first one that was developed kind of in the community change process that really felt like this is a community thing. And so um, I think um, 
it's a it's a good progression of opening things up from the internal development to the outside like transparent development. And I think I think um, what you know, Red Hat's doing with CoreOS, I'm sorry, CentOS, getting my CO operating systems mixed up. <laughs> CentOS, like CentOS Stream, is is going in that same direction, moving the internal stuff out out to public development, public transparent development, and you know, community input. It's got some growing pains, but um, you know it took several years for Fedora early stuff to get right there. So um, uh, growing pains are to be expected on that. Um, I I, th- I think that there's kind of a nice progression that the Fedora story illustrates the beginning of maybe or the, the er- early important middle. I don't know how we're, we're scoring. <laughs> Neil, any, uh, any color to add to that? Um. Well, I don't have additional gossip for the beginning times of, of Fedora because at that particular time, let's see, I had just moved on to Red Hat Linux 9 and then learned the bad news that Red Hat Linux 10 was dead uh, and uh, uh, was very cautious about what I should do next. And so uh, I wound up running Red Hat Linux 9 as a primary all the way until Fedora Core 4, where I felt confident enough to like fully cut over. Which was brave of you, because that was a terrible release. For Every time but, you bring yeah. this up, you mentioned that. I know it. I know it. I, so I, I was working as a system man um, at Boston University at the time, and actually I was working on Boston University Linux, our uh, Linux distribution that was derived from Red Hat Linux. And so that's kind of how I got really involved in all of this. Um, I suddenly cared quite a lot about what was going to happen to the thing I was basing my project on. Um, and that we actually had in Fedora an early thing called Fedora Legacy, where we attempted to extend the life cycle of Fedora, uh, you know, uh, sorry, of like Red Hat Linux 9, I think 7, 8, and 9. Yep. Um, and was, then um, also 7, 2, of, 8.0, and 9. And then also of Fedora Core uh, 1 and Fedora Core 2. And I think that was actually an interesting illustration in, um, I don't know, what, what's really hard um, and what's like, what's, what's fun to do and what's rewarding and what people want you to give them, but will not actually put resources into. And that is making a long-term maintained distribution. And in fact, people didn't even really want us to do a long-term Fedora core two or three. They just wanted us to keep, you know, well, seven, seven, and then, yeah. And then nine, eight, eight, wasn't the best of those releases. Well, except for there was all those AWS people that kept wanting us to keep doing eight forever. That was, well, that was, um, that was Fedora Linux eight that they wanted forever. Right. Um, That's later on. But yeah, but of, of like the Fedora core one, like that, that was new stuff. People who wanted this to go on forever just wanted Fedora, you know, I keep saying Fedora, Red Hat Linux nine to run forever. Um, And, you know, that wasn't really sustainable. And that's what, you know, Rails for. Uh, I mean, don't mind me. I was hi- I was hybridizing all of my Red Hat Linux CDs to have apt RPM on them, and so that I could <laughs> actually not yeah, have to use right. date, which so, gave so, me nightmares. Yeah, so that's actually a good. That's that's one of the things we're working on in BU Linux as well, because the original early versions of Fedora Core, like um, Red Hat Linux, didn't really have a good update story to it, and 
Um, Red Hat was heavily invested in a system called Up to Date that they were working on. That was going to be that was this was one of the um, paths towards making money. They were going to sell a service where you could get updates, and um, and uh, they put a lot of work into this, and it was really like you know, part of the business plan and everything. Uh, meanwhile, in the Fedora world, uh, Seth Vidal. Uh, who was an uh, early and very important member of the Fedora community, uh, took another existing open source project from a different distribution called Yellow Dog and made the YUM, uh, which is Yellow Dog Updater Modified, YUM program that was you know, um, a better way to manage RPMs and install updates on your system. And uh, he got that into Fedora and after a not so long time, it became clear that this was a much better choice than up-to-date was going to be. So in Fedora, people said, we want this. And at this time, Red Hat was still you know, making the engineering decisions here really a lot to... Um, do you, Neil, do you remember what release this would have been? I believe this was uh, Core 3. Yeah. I think this Actually, was... Yeah, because yeah, I think Core... I, I, if I want to... I want to say that the first inter the first discussions about the yellow dog updater being ported to fedora actually happened all the way back in fc1 because people were talking about it all the way back at the beginning because there was this there was this competition that i don't know but there was this competition between um yum which seth had made and apt rpm which was made by the folks at connectiva down in brazil um and the the sticking point was actually multi-arch, or back then, everyone just called it multi-lib, but essentially being able to run 32-bit and 64-bit Intel software on the same computer because Fedora Core 1 had this very interesting thing that almost nobody wanted, but it wound up happening anyway, which was it was 64-bit x86. Um, there was this kind of thing, um, again, like how Matthew was talking about how they wanted to sell updates, there was this whole other thing where Red Hat wanted to sell 64-bit Linux yeah, th and this was... have 32-bit Linux be free. And it was a very weird time. Yeah, so this uh, was actually... And then it just sort of happened anyway. Well, this was in this is one of the very early releases, actually. This is Justin Forbes, who's still... Actually, the, yeah. he's now paid by Red Hat as the main kernel maintainer for Fedora. Um, he was... Uh, working you know, at, at home. And so Red Hat was going to these new 64-bit architecture, like that's an enterprise feature. That was going to be not, we're not going to have that in Fedora. You're going to need to pay for RHEL to get that. Justin went and just rebuilt everything um, and, and and made it work. And uh, uh, this is, I think, another thing you know, to Red Hat's decision-making credit. They didn't say, go away, stop that, or ignore it. They actually said, okay, we're going to make this an official architecture for Fedora, we now do multiple architectures in Fedora. And I think that was actually a very good decision because ever since then, um, we've had emerging architectures, you know, ARM, and um, some that have emerged and kind of demerged. Um, power, I'm looking at you. Um, those kind of things uh, are actually, you know, they come into Fedora first and then uh, may end up being something that Red Hat wants for products, maybe not. Uh, Risk Five is you know, the hot thing right now that's kind of in that same vein. And I think that if um, there would have been an earlier, like, you know, hard, heavy handed decision, we can't do this, um, then 
Fedora wouldn't have ended up the way it is in a you know, welcoming place where people can experiment with all these different kind of things. Um, yeah, so right, Fedora Core One was like, hey, look, it's Rel 10 after or Red Hat Linux. Sorry, Red Hat Linux 10 after all. I got Rel on 10 on my mind for some reason. Um, Red Hat Linux 10 after all, and then Fedora Core Two was, hey, look, here's SE Linux. We broke everything real hard, um, and then. Fedora Core 3 was, uh, yeah, I guess may maybe Yum. Uh, sure. Uh, then Fedora Core 4 I want to say Yum. I want to say that Yum actually was in Fedora Extras in, uh, in the beginning. But then I think we started actually using it properly in FC3. Because Anaconda didn't change to using Yum until sometime between FC3 and FC4. Um, hmm. I, I don't remember exactly because, gosh, it was a long time ago. But uh, but yeah, like there was this whole contention about, you know, what we would do, because basically the only thing everybody agreed on is that we weren't going to keep using up to date. That was that was pretty much the only thing everybody so, agreed. Yes, on. It was five that Yum landed, actually, as the official um, replacement. Really? OK. It took a little while to get there at four. The, the mess with four was in which we learned that you shouldn't update glibc just in the middle of the distro life cycle and oh, hope right, that it that. works. Um, <laughs> so that, uh, that I never got burned I, with that because I didn't yeah. have broadband, so I never was able to download any <laughs> updates. Yeah, no, um, it was it was not. Great. And actually, but uh, out of that, everything's a learning experience. So that's some of the th reasons we learned you know, that our six months cadence release cycle is really important and we coordinate with the tools team. And so we have, you know, a mass rebuilds and new versions of things landing um, in an orderly way that then we go through our quality process and community quality team to try and make sure that all the stuff works really well and by the time we have a release you can upgrade and feel confident that everything is going to uh, just work very nicely for you without disrupting you're getting you know whatever actual work you're trying to do done well and that that stability that that fedora found through the fedora core years really helped solidify what red hat could do because the more stable the fedora release and quality process became the more the Red Hat Enterprise Linux was able to follow that lead to, uh, to really, really build off of what Fedora has done. And, and nowadays, a um, little inside baseball on the, on the Red Hat side is that uh, I, a few weeks ago, I sat in a, I, I listened into a meeting between Red Hat Engineering, the Red Hat Business Unit, or the rel business unit where where my my day job is, and some of the key Fedora contributors talking about what architecture should we go after next, and it was Fedora saying that this is these are the architectures we are looking at. Uh, Red Hat brothers and sisters, what do you think? Uh, is this is this along the lines of where where Rel is going to go? Where can we collaborate? And it was really interesting as someone who uh, who is on the Fedora podcast, but also works for REL that, that um, to, to kind of watch this process and to watch just how smooth this process is. And, and, and if, if you don't want to take my word for it, then just look at the release notes for the last few versions of REL and the last few versions of, of uh, Fedora is there have not been any real major breaking changes there, there's been no init to uh, to systemd. There's not been 
any huge changes in how the kernel is developed and added new features to. It is just very, very, um, I don't want to say slow because there's nothing slow about a six-month release cadence, uh, but there's something very methodical and very strategic about how Fedora Linux is being developed, and that really helps to translate into now CentOS Stream and then next to uh, to RHEL 9. And, and like you, Matthew, I've got RHEL 10 on the brain because on top of this release, I'm also in some of the planning meetings for RHEL 10. So I'm version confused here. Yeah, so I um, I feel like I spent some of the early years as Fedora project leader uh, fighting against people saying, saying bleeding edge. Fedora is bleeding edge. <laughs> and I'm like, no, bleeding edge is bad for most people. You don't, unless you're a vampire, maybe. I think it's bad for maybe? all people. I think right. it's bad yeah. for all people. Right. I yeah, think... I mean, so like, right. Um, some people enjoy being in the fray. I'm imagining a, um, you know, barbarian fantasy movie kind of thing, right? <laughs> like that's that's so, that's that's some people's thing, right? Okay. Uh, and and for that, like you know, it's great that we have people who are you know putting together you know the latest like g- give me everything that's built from anything up upstream right away as soon as it's out. Let's run that on my system. Um, and you know, we do of course have. Uh, fedora we have rawhide which is our development branch which is not quite that fast but still you know, things haven't gone through our qa process yet and we've got you know, a breaking changes landing there um but we do have people who run that as their daily os because they they like the thrill um and it's important that people do that because um that I don't know. That helps make it safe for civilization. I guess I don't know. Back away from the borders. I don't know. My, my metaphors really are terrible. You need to stop with these tortured, these I, tortured things because, like, I, it's it's not it's not torture. <laughs> I'm again. Um, I really. You need to read more fantasy books. That's all I'm saying. Oh man, I read plenty of fantasy and fanfics. It's fine. The thing is, but yeah, if you want to make a pitch not about what we want to deliver, we want to deliver right. things that are like we want to deliver the leading edge of software that is functional and useful and is uh, what you can do to actually get your work done rather than just messing around with making sure your software works today. Right. I mean, and also I'll just make the very small pitch about Rawhide. First of all, it has been a very long time <laughs> since Rawhide releases have not been tested, right? Because they go through all the automated testing that we currently have that actually is part of our quality process for stable releases. Uh, now, we don't necessarily, f- I, I think, no, I think we just started failing composes on them now, but we used yeah. to not do that. Uh, so, like, you're actually less likely to get completely screwed on a Rawhide install than you would have been, I think, like, three or four years ago. Yeah. it. Uh, I, the, the changes I'm talking about more are um, like, oh, your desktop is entirely different today for some reason, or... Um, Maybe some big regression that is specific to your thing that hasn't been caught by a wider audience, or or yeah, just um, oh now I've got a new version of LibreOffice and I wasn't expecting a new li- version of LibreOffice today. Uh, a lot of the time, you'll you'll tend to see like snapshots and development releases of stuff land into Rawhide. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're all broken or whatever, because a lot of times if they are actually broken, uh, they won't get released. They'll they'll get held back until they're fixed, but. Yeah. But it is it is an integration point and a very critical one for for being able to support newer software more quickly. 
I think it's also generally a case that the software world overall has become more conscientious about quality and release health and releasing frequently. I think it was yeah. Incrementalism it, is, I think, where where you see you see a lot more of a trend towards like. Yeah, um, I was going to say there are, be, there are examples of rapid releases with breaking with brokenness all over the place, but in the last few years we tend to see um, a a nice trend towards incrementalism. Things aren't. There are some times where there's a big change the world kind of event, but they are much rarer now than they were ten years ago. Like I remember. You know, going from let's see, what was it? Fedora Core Four to Fedora, uh, to Fedora Seven to Fedora Twelve to then Fifteen. Like each of those was everything changed for some reason, and we've gotten to a nice point where architecturally things aren't churning to the same degree that they were back then. Things are still changing. Things are still upgrading. Things are still improving. But you are not really seeing those kinds of you're not seeing upheavals at that kind of frequency where we were seeing upheavals like at least once a year back in the day yeah. now it's maybe once every five years or once every 10 yeah. years yeah i think it was a fairly common method for developing software was you'd make you build up to a big release you have all your features you release that and then you start working on the next version you might rewrite half of it from scratch so some of the features that the previous version don't even work yet and you got all the new ideas coming in and so now you're working on version two and then you three years later you're like okay time to release version two and then um surprise here's version two and um uh yeah and and then with fedora integrating so many things from everywhere all around we're bound to hit some version two landing at a time. So that's not happening so much. I think, like you said, people are making smaller releases. I think there are still some big, interesting things that happen. And so one of the other things is trying to make those changes land more carefully when there are big changes. So I think like um, there's this big thing with the uh, CarOS and SilverBlue and the uh, container-based updates instead of having you know, RPM OS tree server side things and that's a pretty big change but um i think that's going to land hopefully in a way that most people won't even really need to think about how there's been a big underlying architectural change in what they're doing um, but it will actually be pretty fundamental and empower people to do a bunch of really cool new things um, if it all works out as, uh, as as it as it could from the plans i'm seeing which are, are we, we covered on this show, uh, immutable desktops and silver blue and some of the inspiration behind that and why in, uh, immutable is a terrible name for, for a type of operating I system. About to, I was about that, to get you for that. that. That by and far was our most controversial and most followed <laughs> episode of the podcast since, uh, since we moved to video. So uh, I'll, I'll throw a link to that in the, episode, or in the uh, show notes. Was the word immutable the controversial part or something else? Uh, mostly immutable. There, there are so, some other opinions that were shared that uh, brought some interesting conversations in the chat, but I, it was a great episode. I learned a lot, which don't don't tell the people that uh, I, I work for that that's why I do a lot of these things <laughs> is because it means I get to learn stuff from other people. I basically schedule my own enablement and I just record it. <laughs> that... Um, I, I'm a support. That seems like a good plan. 
anytime I want to learn about a new feature, it's like, is there a guest I could bring on who can teach me? And then I can go do it in my home lab. And that's pretty much how that works. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to solve the word immutable, but we have for for desktops in Fedora set. Uh, we, we went back to the Project Atomic people who had such a great logo and said, hey, um, you're not using that anymore. And we started this out as um, Fedora Atomic Desktop. Um, so could we have Atomic name back again? And so we do. Um, so we're going to be using Atomic as kind of a grouping brand for Silver Blue and Kino White and so on, um, which hopefully uh, I know it's fun to come up with lots of new names, but um, it is it is a headache um, to have too many different minerals that I have to take to legal for <laughs> trademark approval, among other things. Um, and just it's confusing to people to try and remember what um, which minerals are what thing, and it makes kind of a. And we we needed something collective too, so we have that name. Uh, well, if one thing engineers are really really good at is naming technology. Yes, famously <laughs> so. Uh, <clears throat> sarcasm right. is also a thing. I, I, I need to. I need to. I need a sarcasm sign, or or like a lower third. There we go. Uh, so we're going to take a quick pause because in today's episode, I've got a bit of trivia for you. Neil, you cannot answer, oh. uh, but I want to mute us up real quick. Going to give you, all of you watching live a few seconds to uh, to ponder this, and then we'll be right back. So here's here's your trivia question. If you may have noticed, we changed the background for today's episode. Now, because uh, I haven't had time today in the middle of rail release season to uh, upgrade my, my workstation to Fedora 39 and grab the, uh, and, and grab the wallpaper from uh, Fedora Linux 39, we decided to pick a different one. Uh, so I want to mute us up so you can see the wallpaper and then put in chat what version of Fedora this was from. We'll be right back. Sadly, there's no easy way to bring us all out or back in. So, all right. Nice. If if you know what version of Fedora that's from, we'll give you some like kudos, some uh, maybe some IT guy coins. This this one's from a long way back, and and this was Neil's suggestion. So, Neil, why don't you tell us what version uh, this is from? This is from Fedora Ten. Uh, this theme, I think it was called Solarized. I want to say that's what it was called. Gosh, I can't remember anymore. Um, but it was the... Uh, no, no, Solar. That's what it was. It's called Solar. I was close. Um, and it was basically... Uh, the, the important thing about this is it's a bit of a dark horse of a theme. Because this wallpaper is in every Linux distribution somehow because it was Fedora's, uh, Fedora 10 was also the release that introduced Plymouth. And Plymouth used this to create its um, splash screen that it shipped in the package. So in every distribution, there's this, um, I think it's called Plymouth Solar or Solarized. I forget what the plugin is actually called. And it basically gives you an animated version of this wallpaper as your splash screen. And so it's kind of everywhere, even though it, 
even though, you know, uh, I don't think a lot of people remember that it came from Fedora in the first place. I'm, I'm trying to find this um, Plymouth theme on F39. Is it still here? <laughs> it should be. So I, I kind of gave away the teaser um, in, in announcing our little uh, trivia challenge. So uh, today's also going to be our Fedora release episode for Fedora 39, which came out uh, yesterday, didn't it? Was it? Or was it officially today? This it's morning. Today. Yeah. This morning. We release, we release on Tuesdays, um, traditionally, for some reason that was declared in the dawn of time. Uh, mostly, <laughs> it gives, it gives we, we, we usually do the go, no-go on Thursday. And so that gives the weekend for things to propagate out to mirrors and everything. And then Monday for us to decide if um, we made a horrible mistake. I think, which uh, hasn't hasn't happened yet, but uh, oh god, so. please don't don't don't. You tempt- said that now. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I, horrible mistakes don't listen to me about whether they should happen or not because if they <laughs> did, then I'd. So I, I need I need a, a stagehand or a producer or somebody. If anybody know? Okay, we're going to say somebody needs to bring me some caffeine because yesterday was Fedora's birthday. Today was the release of Fedora Linux thirty nine. <laughs> oh my goodness I, I need a vacation <laughs> and the only reason it's not 40 is because we had a release that lasted for way too long it was yeah as part of that fedora next thing i said way at the beginning i wanted to do things mm-hmm. very differently release engineering and the quality team said you will kill us if we do that so we said what would it take for you to be able to retool to do this and so we paused for a year to do it, which I think was an okay decision at the time. Um, but um, I, I made a joke somewhere about we need to do three some year to try and get back to the um, even number <laughs> scheme. And it's not the worst idea, really, because there, there's... I, I think our six-month cadence is good because it fits in nicely with other pro- projects. I don't, re- I don't really want to do this, but going faster, going to that more smaller increments does have advantages. So oh, for uh, sure. I don't know. Maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe I, so. I that is assuming that, that anyone came... can get anything done in that time frame. Well, you, you have to go to a model where you it, you don't expect to necessarily get it done and land then. You, you can, you, you can right. decide what you want to land if you want to land it there train, or not. A release train. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and the way we have it right now, we don't have it set up to do a release train like that, basically. Um, we have this one. I'm not sure I want to do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> It, it it's a difficult thing, and especially when you know we uh, really there are so much uh, volunteer work that goes into making Fedora, where uh, we can't you know kind of that here's the thing get 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 to it like that's the, we don't have that people people do things when they can and when they want to and when they're interested in um, so moving to like I I'm not proposing moving to that faster cadence right now but um, I wouldn't be surprised if sometime in the future that that <laughs> that just makes sense. I think Mo would fall over dead if we decided to do uh, <laughs> if we decided to do three releases and have more wallpaper more wallpapers. Release. We may have we may need need a new wallpaper process as well. Yes. Um, so, um, I, I let me pull up the release notes. But is there anything about Fedora thirty nine? We'll start with you, Matthew. That uh, you're really excited about. Um. 
I'm supposed to say yes. I'm thrilled. But I, I, I think that I, I've honestly, I really like it. Gnome that the little acti- word activities is gone. Um, oh, that <laughs> bug, bugged me for years. Um, and it's not because it was evil or anything. It's just because that was actually when Gnome three first came out. There was part of a theory of design that actually you see in like the sugar on a stick or the sugar operating system that's for the one laptop per child it's this activities oriented desktops where instead of being kind of window oriented or even like workspace oriented you'd have activities of different things you would go together so um maybe like all your audio production software and your setup for this or here's your setup for you know writing a book or this and that it things would be oriented around the activity Uh, and so the workspaces in gnome are kind of especially in GNOME 3, they're supposed to be set up to do that, but it didn't really ever get beyond that first idea, this is what we're going to do. And then once it was you know, out in the general public and the GNOME developers discovered there was lots of other feedback about where they should go with things, like the activities thing never actually really got developed. And I think operating systems in like OS desktop OS didn't go that direction, um, but there the word activities sat up there at the top. And in like some UX research I saw, like people thought that um, the operating system was called activities or that the uh, desktop <laughs> environment was called activities at least. Like people who, we, we brought in, you know, people who were not familiar with it before. That was their natural assumption. So um, we've got a, a, a little test switcher icon there now. I, I would like to make it Fedora Blue, I think. I have to talk to the people about that because I think that would be nice. I but, still uh, want it, that to be a Fedora icon instead. I, yeah, I think a Fedora icon would make sense as well. Um, I think people, it, especially it, those coming from a Windows background, would find that actually even a Mac OS background uh, yeah. would uh, would find that very, very comfortable. Yeah, I, the, there's a... Um, uh, the the argument is that thing that like, what you get when you click on it that's not Fedora that's not the it's not Fedora Linux it's not the Fedora project that's just like a little indicator there and uh, it should it, it maybe be some sort of like Fedora workstation logo or maybe a, a whatever I, I don't know something else I don't know um, I I would I would like it to be a little more Fedora theme-y, but um, I, I'd be happy with the blue. Um, uh, other things, so, so there are a bunch of changes and a lot of you know a lot of new software integrated there. Uh, some of the biggest things that I was excited for uh, uh, are going to be coming next release or the one after that. We'll see. But uh, the new uh, web-based Anaconda UI, I think that's um, that is not there. But we're actually hoping to have some demo like test days of that sometime soon. So if people are interested in that, stay tuned for that. Um, I know. Uh, we've got uh, images in uh, Microsoft Azure Cloud now. I think that's useful, having uh, having our software more accessible more easily to more people, whether it's you know buying a Slimbook and it's pre-installed or starting up a cloud instance and it's there. I think that's um, big. And that's actually a whole lot of work because of all the legal wrangling and so on behind <laughs> things to get things in those environments. Um, speaking of themes, I, I like that we've got a colored... Um, bash prompt now that's nice it's maybe not i don't know I, I have to get used to it i've had my own prompt set for years and i unset it to see see if, uh, what i think about how we how we've done it now i've got developed some opinions we'll, we'll see if uh, we can, <laughs> we i use better. fish i already i had a colored prompt for like yeah almost there's, there's a lot seven of, eight years now um 
I don't know. We, we might need to take ours up a notch. Let's see. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, Fishes is very nice. Um, I don't know. I have wrote a whole release announcement about this, you know, earlier, so I should have it fresh in my mind. But I think this. <laughs> This is another thing where there's a lot of uh, small changes and a lot of things that are going to matter to different people when it's in their area. But yeah, like we were saying, there's not a lot of big, like, shocking, wow, we did something dramatic here. Um, but I think it is a nice, solid release. Neil, do you have anything you want to call out? I mean, for me, there was this wasn't supposed to be an exciting release. Like, you know, from a Fedora KDE perspective, we didn't do anything. Fedora Workstation just gets its regular GNOME upgrade, and so it kind of just inherits everything GNOME does. Um, the other desktops do their thing. I think, like, Budgie, you know, they got their they got their Atomic variant with uh, Fedora Onyx out the door. I was going to ask and... if you remembered what mineral it was. Uh, that would have been a <laughs> I know, great I, I trivia know question. Uh, of course, I'm a I dork. I know the minerals. I'm a dork, and every time I think uh, Fedora Onyx, I think now Fedora is branding their laptop or their, their spins based on Pokemon. Um, oh, that's a that's how we would get into a whole lot of trouble. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't think Nintendo would appreciate that. <laughs> or maybe they become a sponsor. Uh, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't have an answer to that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's probably best. So um, some of the other features, yeah, like, like, like you mentioned, there's Fedora Onyx. Um, and then uh, GNOME 45 landed in Fedora 39. Uh, of course, a lot of the desktop flavors, KDE, XFCE, Cinnamon, and others have... Uh, uh, <clears throat> They've gone through their own refreshes right. as, they, as they needed. Yeah. I think... And... Um, yeah, I think <laughs> next, next release may end up being a little bit too exciting because, um, <laughs> as people may know, with... Um, Red Hat Linux coming out every three years and branching off of Fedora. Um, this is the time coming up. So there are a lot oh of gosh. Red Hatters who would really, really like to get their features done to land in uh, in this next release. Um, and so uh, that's going to be uh, a lot a lot of interesting things there. We will um, still stick to our it is important for this to be useful and good for our users. It is not the, a um, it it is not the dumping ground for stuff that wasn't ready for rel yet, but you wanted to get it in quickly. So if there are red hatters listening, take it to heart. Let's let's um, let's work out a plan so we can get things where they need to be. Um, but we want to make sure that those things land nicely in the distro. I suddenly made that negative again. I don't know. Too much stress today. Uh, it's positive. There's going to be a lot of a lot of interesting changes that that are going to be coming in the next year, um, whether they make that release or we have them land to the next one. Um, I think there'll be a lot of exciting things. Um, the new installer being one of the ones I really am looking mm. forward to. So I think that's yeah, that's that one of close. the things people have been you know, expressed frustration with for a while, and they've taken a lot of things we learned and made a, uh, a a simpler experience for workstation installs, especially. Well, I mean, I've, I've got a fix for the Anaconda solution. Let's just use image builder. <laughs> there are t- too many tools for building images. <sighs> oh, don't, don't give me that, Neil. You know, I, I am in love with Image Builder, whether it's Red Hat Insights Image Builder, RHEL Image Builder, Fedora Image Builder, 
The only one I haven't used is CentOS Stream Image Builder, which is odd, considering that's one of my subsystems that I cover for RHEL. So. <laughs> but to be fair, my home lab has been under reconstruction for like six months. That's how crazy things have been this year. So I'm, everything's not quite ready to go yet. <laughs> um, so we got a few minutes left. And if uh, if you're catching this after we uh, after it aired, I highly encourage you to try and meet with us and uh, and hang out with us on the YouTube chat. Uh, we've got over 24 people watching right now, and the chat is just blowing up. People sharing features that they're uh, that they're excited about with this release or the next release. So if you can, we are live mostly every other uh, mostly every other Tuesday uh, right around this time. It's, it's uh, we start at 4 p.m. Central Time. Uh, that's U.S. time. Um, so. Uh, and in fact, Nico Jet Neil says that you do a great facepalm. So uh, we have a lot of fun. There's usually banter. There's extended discussion. Sometimes the discussion even uh, frames the conversation that we have. So if you can catch us live, otherwise uh, we're out on YouTube. We're considering other uh, streaming platforms. Uh, I think the one that rose to the top of that list was uh, Twitch. So we're looking at how to go about getting that started. So definitely well worth the time to come and hang out with us live. Um, this time slot has a special place in my heart because people like Matthew and Neil and, uh, and, and others, I actually met from the community by being a part of other podcasting communities like uh, Linux Unplugged uh, comes, comes to mind uh, off the top of my head. So um, uh, we're, we're working on that. We're trying to be in more places, but of course you can always catch the audio podcast or watch the YouTube stream after we've gone live, leave your comments, be sure to like, and subscribe this con like, and subscribe to this content, hit that bell. So, you know, when we go live, uh, our team has been posting like crazy. We've, we've got episodes of Fedora podcast. We've got, uh, breakdowns of some of the talks from some of the different conferences like flock. Those are all up there now. So, um, tons of awesome content on the Fedora YouTube channel. Um, with that, the PSA is over. And I mentioned we've got a few minutes left um, because I actually have another presentation to give after this about RHEL 9.3. So <laughs> it's back to back for me today, which is probably why I'm scattered. Uh, so with, with a few minutes that we have left, Neil, I'll pitch this one to you first. What do you see in Fedora's future? What what are some of the things that you're most excited about? What are some of the cautionary tales you might spin? Uh, so what do you think, Neil? World domination. Yes. I love it. Ex excellent. As a, as a pro or a con? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that works. Yeah. No, I, I, I think we have a lot of growth. Um, that goal of doubling the number of active contributors is really it's a, that's a real goal. We want to get more people involved because it's hard to predict where technology is going to go. And anybody who says they can tell you what's, you know, what AI is going to look like in five years is vastly mistaken. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what it's anything except for that. They're wrong with their predictions. Um, so we can't really plan for that, but we can plan to have an active, healthy community that's excited about things and, um, you know, working with everywhere everyone in the rest of the open source world to bring all these things to the project and we'll be in good shape for that. And, you know, uh, building our network of Fedora friends, uh, Eric, I also wanted to say, I like um, your, uh, my hair is too long. Let's get rid of it. Uh, approach. <laughs> I've, uh, you may have seen, I've gone, gone the same route. So, uh, <laughs> excellent, excellent winter choice. 
So funny thing is I I finally gave up on it when Kansas City was at 105 for about 105 Fahrenheit for about a week. Like, nope, I'm done at the like that weekend. I said, you know what? And this has been a fun experiment, but I, I'm just not feeling anymore. I'm going to go back to my to my skin fade and and the short hair on top. But I'll, I'll wait till spring. Because, you know, I've got built-in earmuffs with with the long hair. But uh, it hit 105 for a week, and I was like, no, we're done. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then of course, a week ago, I was regretting that decision because Kansas City dropped to about 35 degrees. Yeah, but uh, now it's easier so. to wear, like, a hat, and then you, you don't have hat head. It's great. That's Very true. I mean, my, I style my hair so, like this, and I'm done. <laughs> and... Uh, I'm not, I'm not supposed to use hats in Fedora marketing for reasons, but um, <laughs> just mention hats. This this is one that my daughter crocheted for me. The oh, cool. Logo there. That's her first try at the Fedora logo, but I think that came out pretty well. Um, so I have that for ready for winter here. <laughs> this conversation took an interesting turn from from <laughs> Fedora future to uh, to hairstyles and hats. So. That is a sign, everyone, that we are exhausted. <laughs> the, the the end of year break can't uh, can't come fast enough. <laughs> True. So, any any closing thoughts, Matthew? I'll I'll, I'll uh, bring this one to you first. Um, thank you for this. Um, I really appreciate all the energy in the comments in the chat. It's exciting to see all of this, and I think that's uh, this this is what does help Fedora grow. So, uh, thank you very much. Neil, closing thoughts? Ah, this has been fun. Uh, it's nice to kind of reminisce a little bit about the the beginning and the 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 blast, uh, the beginning blast, the magnificent middle, and talk a little bit about maybe what looks like, uh, you know, what goes on into the end. Um, but you know, uh, the 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 story goes on and on. Uh, in fact, David Duncan mentions that uh, uh, we're, we're doing a Windows subsystem for Linux just for you. It'll be for me, too. I someday will tell some stories. So it's, it's funny because I have I have a work issued MacBook. I've got like two different Fedora systems. But then I have a Windows laptop that all it does is games. There's literally nothing else on it. But a week or so ago. I uh, Plex server uh, froze up or something. It's like, ugh, I'm sitting here, I've, I'm playing Baldur's Gate 3, and now I have to go downstairs and, and fire up either the laptop or the workstation and, and log in and fix that. But there's actually a community version of, uh, of Fedora on WSL. But You know, uh, it, Baldur's Gate 3 runs great on my Fedora system. I was going to say, Eric, what's up with that? My, you should just be running your games on Fedora. To be fair, my Fedora system is in desperate need of a GPU upgrade. So while well, it could play Baldur's Gate 3... all you do with the Windows system is play Baldur's Gate 3, uh, <laughs> what's it about busy being a Windows system for? <laughs> um, when, when Blizzard officially will support me playing StarCraft uh, on Fedora Linux without banning me then <laughs> well blizzard's owned by microsoft now so i guess who the hell knows hey there you go 
Either that or they come out with Blizzard Linux or something. We'll, we'll all be in trouble. Uh, yeah, well. <laughs> Before... I, I don't have a whole lot of hope for that. <laughs> I don't have a whole lot of hope for anything going on with Blizzard now. <laughs> well, before this conversation descends too far into anarchy, I've got one more quick uh, public service announcement. We mentioned the uh, Fedora Linux uh, 39 release. With that always comes a release party. So you are required to register, but um, there there's no cost associated with it. You just sign up and show up. It's, it's a great time. Uh, I, I think I'm booked this year, unfortunately, or this release, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I'll try and make it if I can. Uh, bunch of bunch of folks hanging out, just talking about the new release, having a great time. Um, so definitely a, an exciting virtual event. And uh, actually, I didn't prep you on this, Matthew, but could you uh, could you give the quick thirty second pitch to uh, uh, for the social hour? Yes, that's a great idea. I was busy looking up starcraft does it work on uh Lutra. It, it, it you have no don't, excuse don't worry man. the chat is too <laughs> no excuse um yeah uh yeah so we do a fedora social hour every thursday uh, we're actually not doing it this week because we got the release party which is like an extended social hour in a lot of ways but uh every thursday either uh u.s evening um or uh u.s morning eu evening uh, we try to cover, get some time zone coverage there, uh, but every Thursday, uh, go to discussionfedoraproject.org, find the, the page about it. Uh, we do a one-hour thing. It's on Matrix. We just start a video call, and it's basically like this, except for everybody can talk. We try to keep it, um, you know, generally and civilized. So it's not recorded. That's true, or or broadcast. Absolutely. So you can don't don't need to feel like you need to do that. And if you want to show up not video on, that's fine as well um and we we for a while we had a no talking about fedora rule um just to make things shake things up a little bit and we still uh do talk a lot about about other you know whatever interesting um hobbies and goings on um but like the uh, rant about time zones last but yes time. Uh, oh, you know people from indiana have strong feelings about time zones um and and there's a <laughs> lot of fedora folks who are hoosiers uh so yeah Maybe I'll show up to the next one and share my opinions because I have. Yes, you're welcome. Ones. In fact, I went on a rant the other day on uh, on Mastodon about how I'm I'm really frustrated that the United States continues to stick with the imperial system instead of metric. I can I can do powers of ten all day, but I'm not sure who yeah. decided five thousand two hundred eighty feet was what constituted a, constituted a mile. So I mean, a mile is a thousand, a mil. So it's. Um, 1,000 steps of a Roman soldier who I guess had a slightly big stride. Uh, so you get, <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, paces. Um, but, well, yeah, because paces used to be a unit of measure. Yeah, it's a pace. So this is how it, we, it's yeah. 1,000 paces. That's a mile. It's uh, Yeah, 1,000 paces is a mile. It is perfectly, perfectly this, sensible. That is not the what's point. A, what's this a, is, what's a is, meter based on? Some kind of like. Yeah, Plutonium. It is based but, yeah. on a proportion, based on the cr uh, yeah. cross section yeah. of the uh, of the diet of the um. The, I don't. Yeah, what, you know, but it's part of it's part of Earth. Sure, sure it is. Um, it is powers of ten, so I don't care where it came from. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. You come to the social hour. I, I can. I, I've got more thoughts I can share. <laughs> 
All right, folks. Thank you so much for joining us live. Uh, Neil, Matthew, thank you guys so much for, uh, for joining me on short notice. Um, and, and thank you to the Fedora marketing team for trying to help wrangle up some guests this episode for this episode. Uh, I honestly have been, uh, I've honestly just been buried. And as of tomorrow morning, you'll all know why, um, hint, I, I said nothing. So no one can go and tell the BU that I, I announced anything. So there, there's a thing, uh, tomorrow morning, keep an eye out on, on the socials and you'll find out what, um, so, that said, uh, in two weeks, uh, we we are not going to have a regularly scheduled episode uh, because I will be on a long, much-needed, disconnected, uh, well, it'll be a staycation, but I'm not going to be doing anything that ha- involves a camera, conferences, or anything. So um, with that said, thank you all for joining us, and I uh, look forward to seeing you all uh, in about a month. Uh, we'll announce the, the next episode, and we'll see you all then. Bye, everyone.